reaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. We are back for another week of Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. It's always great to be with you guys. I always look forward to our uh, conversations. And this week, as always, a lot to talk about. I thought I'd uh, change it up a little bit and let's talk about some polling and what people think. You know, we always talk about polling. The politicians love to toss polling under the rug. Some love love to use it when they want it. And uh, I love the old saying that uh, I want to say a uh, Arabic scholar, but no, there's some unknown scholar said he said statistics are like a lamppost for a drunk used more for support than for illumination statistics are like a lamppost for a drunk more so support than illumination yeah you know you can sort of use them for whatever you want and yeah, you twist them to make them, if you don't like it, you say that they're useless. If you like it, you say, oh, it's a great sampling and great research and uh, we need to engage it. So on my podcast, thank you for tuning in. This is the place where you are going to find that voice, that voice of freedom, that voice of liberty, that American Muslim who's unafraid to address the issues that most people just uh, want to ignore and I think you're all thinking about and we talk about immigration we talk about uh the radicalization and uh how we keep our country safe how do we keep the world safe what wars should we should we not be getting into those are all things that i've talked about and i think are relevant to where we are and this week as the democratic debate started we saw the characters in a row almost like watching uh, an amusement park of bobbleheads uh make their arguments, all of which in 30 seconds they speechify the the death out of everything. But uh, there's some things we're starting to learn about the candidates, and I'm not going to get political on you on these specific candidates. I'll let you guys cozy up to the candidates that you like. If you're on the left, if you're on the right, you sort of get the popcorn and find everything to be pretty hilarious, as I did. But... At the end of the day, there are some issues that should unite us. There are some issues that should rise to the top. And we'll talk about those as we, you know, as as time goes on. I, I could not help but just want to pull out my hair as I saw Tulsi Gabbard make another fool out of herself as she does whenever she talks about Syria or Hezbollah or Taliban or any of these things. Uh, now, it's one thing to say that we shouldn't be getting into stupid wars. It's another thing to just say complete idiocy. Yeah, it is one thing to say we shouldn't be getting into more stupid wars and there, you know, be be a Jacksonian, if you will, in your approach to how you do. And that's not my flavor. I, I do think the Amer, you know, America being the beacon of freedom, being the leader of the free world has a lot to gain as a country, has our own self-interest in advancing liberty. Not with our soldiers, not with our troops, but with our ideas. So yes, I think our ideology should be exported. I believe in our ideology that everybody believes in it, that ultimately left to their own devices, every human being wants to be free, wants to shed the yoke of oppression, wants to shed the yoke 
of radicalization of the terrorism of their countries, be it monarchies, autocracies, communist, socialist dictatorships like China or Russia, whatever it might be. But that's not what they're talking about. Tulsi Gabbard was asked a question about equal pay, and she responded by saying, we've had enough wars. I am a military vet, and I served in Iraq. And people are like, what? You were asked about equal pay, Congresswoman? And she she spewed out her her talking points that she tries to say every time possible. Uh, And, you know, thank you for your service, Tulsi. But first of all, when it comes to these issues, you are an idiot. Secondly, people are, are... don't see through this don't see through that she's basically finding herself to be the token uh, sort of uh, obsessed with getting out of wars how is that by the way going to be much different than the current administration now she made it uh, uh, clear I, I think that she uh, would love to do everything possible on bended knee to basically imitate what President Obama did with Iran if not give them more and Assad So that would be different than the current administration. But President Trump has not proven at all that he's going to be any different than any of his verbiage or rhetoric during the campaign, which was to avoid any and all wars. Now, he says some things and threatens and others, and his policy as as also executed by Secretary Pompeo, by uh, National Security Advisor Bolton, has been strong, has been forceful, and I've supported it because it has removed us from the horrific Iran deal. It has brought us to the point in which we are beginning to contain Iran, and I do believe the revolutionaries in Iran have had more of a voice than they've ever had. They're not singing death to America. They're singing death to the clerics, death to Khomeini, death to the Khomeinists. And I think that's thanks to the sanctions. We saw this week... The president, President Trump, began putting sanctions on on the theocrats, on the supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, on others, kleptocrats, that have been siphoning billions off of their people and putting it in foreign banks. I call that a moral act by our commander-in-chief. You'd be surprised. I'm surprised that every time I hear about new sanctions, I'm like, I thought we had all the sanctions possible on those countries. And then we find out, no, there are more possible. There are more that could be put into place. And especially on the supreme leaders. That is amazing. And they're going to be squeezed. Yeah, they attacked the drone last week. We talked about it. But now we have a bigger military presence. We can hit back without starting an all-out war. People are talking about major battles and conflagrations. Israel has demonstrated how, for decades, it responds in kind to attacks and does not enter into major wars. People understand they enter into a major war with the United States, with the West, with Israel, and you will be destroyed. So you hit expecting some type of asynchronous warfare. Iran has been trying to do sort of the asynchronous sort of dance to try to uh, affect oil prices, to poke the eye of the tiger of the West. They're expecting no response. And they're also trying to fortify their base in Iran. Whatever it might be, I I do think that we're stronger than ever now. Looking again at uh, 
the idiocy of uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, I think you start to realize that she doesn't have a plan. She's just campaigning on no more wars, on pulling us out, on basically making the United States into paper, non-existent strength. And that's, again, the argument of no more wars is an argument. Fine. We weren't successful in Iraq, partly because Obama pulled us out. But in Afghanistan, I agree. 17, 18 years of complete waste of time with little progress. But now she said in this debate, 9-11 was done by Al-Qaeda, not by the Taliban. Why did we? Why did we go to Afghanistan and stay there? I mean, the idiocy in that is just beyond belief. It's almost as if the Russians were giving her her talking points. <laughs> Maybe they are. Maybe they are. But Taliban obviously housed Bin Laden, gave him a platform. The Taliban sanctioned. Al-Qaeda worked with them closely, hand in glove, and did so through the region. Whenever Al-Qaeda prisoners wanted to be released from Gitmo, where did they go? Through Qatar, Qatar's contacts to the Taliban, and then back to Afghanistan. This was not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen. My new nickname for Tulsi Gabbard is Tulsi Assad Hezbollah Gabbard. <laughs> she defended even Hezbollah. She couldn't even get herself during this debate, ladies and gentlemen, to criticize Hezbollah. And the other candidates, national security really didn't play a role at all. They started speaking in Spanish whenever possible. And I was waiting for the Arab. I mean, heck, heck. Arabic speakers, is that next? Do you pander to the Arabs listening by speaking in Arabic or to the Jews by speaking in Yiddish? Is this what we've become, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, the United States now is, is our, our voters are pandered to by identity politics? Yep, that's the way the left is working. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, we talk about polling, not about candidates. Their polls are going to go up and down and all over the place, and God knows the way it's going to evolve in this popularity contest. But, but, I do believe that over the next few weeks, obviously, as that evolves, there was a recent poll that came out. We've been talking about the Holocaust in the past few weeks, months, between the ignorance showed and then you saw uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talk about concentration camps and then dig her heels in with Ilhan Omar and others to say that, oh, it's where people are concentrated into camps. <laughs> and then I said, oh, okay, so if my kids are going to a summer camp in which they're being taught concentration skills, is that a concentration camp? And appropriately, the vast majority of the Jewish community said, knock it off with the Holocaust appropriation. There's no comparison. You minimize your argument and you become a Holocaust denier by using and co-opting and appropriating the language of the Holocaust for things that were not massive genocide, especially at our border being done by a democracy and the Trump administration. You may have some criticism about what's being done, but basically, the argument is just let them walk into the country if it's not to detain them. 
and they're not asking to be sent back. And I don't want to get into a immigration discussion, but there's a poll that just came out that said one third of Americans do not believe six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. It's conducted by the Claims Conference that revealed that two thirds of Americans never heard of Auschwitz. Half could not name a single concentration camp or ghetto. So when we sort of say that AOC is sort of an unhinged sort of oh, idiot, fifth grade, educated, uneducated, half-wit, I think we realize that the pervasiveness of a poor education is huge. One-third of Americans believe only two million Jews were murdered during the Holocaust, and 66% of millennials had never heard of Auschwitz. Over 45% asked could not name any of the 40 ghettos or concentration camps present in Europe during the Second World War. 68% of Americans believe there is anti-Semitism in the U.S., and 37% say neo-Nazis exist in large numbers. So they know there's a problem. And yet they're part of it because their their education about the Holocaust is absurd. Seven out of ten say fewer people care about the Holocaust than in the past. A majority believe a similar event could take place again. So they realize the problems. My point in this poll, and I'm going to talk about some other numbers, as this week's podcast is all about the polling. It's all about the numbers, right? As we wonder how these phenomena are happening on social media we, and we pay attention. You know, there's an old Arabic saying, if I may say another one. There's an old Arabic saying that says, when the teacher points to the moon, the idiot looks at the finger. And the finger in this case is AOC. Ilhan Omar. Yeah, they might be idiots also. But that's not what's going on. We have deeper problems. People are not caring about how detached from reality and facts these Congress people, these thought leaders, ugh, these thought leaders are because there's a huge number of Americans that are just as dumb and need better education, just as ignorant. These issues are not small issues, ladies and gentlemen. 10% of Americans believe 9-11 was an inside job. Now, a couple points I want to bring out to you is why are these numbers increasing? Is it just idiocy? Is it just the internet? Where do these ideas come from? They're coming from regimes. Middle Eastern regimes, Al Jazeera, Islamists' ideology, Russia, China, pushing ideologies that easily then are able to co-opt large populations in a collectivist mentality that can push against the bulwark of freedom and liberty, of individual rights, of human rights. So what better way to intoxicate the West than, as we saw, some of this election engineering that we're concerned about that affects both the left and the right that is not just about trump as the left would like you to believe but is really about manipulation of social media and thought i believe that this is the issue is that regimes are attacking our people we are under assault ladies and gentlemen by 
an information system that is controlled by thugs, that's controlled by petro industries, whether it's the petro industry of Russia's gas tank or Qatar's or Turkey's, whatever it might be, they are pushing out ideas that the Holocaust was less than six million, that Israel is the source of all evil. All these other things. Let's get into that. Another study that was revealed this week that came out that I think is just as revealing is this study about the Arab world. I know there's tons of those. But this was about the Arab world in seven charts. Are Arabs turning their back on religion? This is the question. More than 25,000 people were interviewed for the survey for BBC News Arabic by the Arab Barometer Research Network. Now, BBC News Arabic, by the way, is not a anti-Islamist, anti-brotherhood, pro-Western branch. It has tons of overlap with Al Jazeera. So I took this with a grain of salt. And even with that grain of salt, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this polling? First of all, 25,000 people interviewed. That's a large sample, so I think it's pretty good. Across 10 countries and the Palestinian territories between late 2018 and the spring 2019. So this is just within the last 6 to 12 months. What happened with the rise of the non-religious? Country by country, Tunisia went from 15% not religious to 30 plus percent not religious. Libya went from 9% to 25%. Algeria, 5% to 12% not religious. Lebanon, no change. Interesting. Lebanon, no change. Morocco went from 5% to 15% non-religious. Egypt went from 5% to 12% non-religious. Sudan, smaller change from just 5 to 8%. Palestinian territories, no change. Jordan, minimal change. Iraq, minimal change. Yemen went in the opposite direction. What do you see, ladies and gentlemen? First of all, one of the trends is that the countries that had revolutions... Tunisia, Libya, Algeria went in the opposite direction, away from religiousness towards Islamic doctrine. The countries that are radicalized, Yemen, I would add Iraq because of Iran's influence there. Jordan with its large Palestinian population had no change. So there's no revolutions. Iraq did not have a revolution. Now, you could blame the United States if you want, but I don't believe that's the issue. I think we're talking about six months here compared with 2013, far, far after the American invasion. We're talking during the Obama administration shift in which America's troops pulled out. We're talking about Iranian influence period in which they started to hegemonize Iraq and turn it into the part of the Shia crescent. So, to me, what can be learned from Iraq's devolution with no change 
in its religiosity is that it has not had any of the benefits of an opening of the society because Iran stifled that because of ISIS and other issues there. But the huge growth. Now, some who are devout Muslims would say that this is a sign of a loss of religion. This is bad for Islam. This is bad for Muslims. But I would tell you that this is actually a positive sign. I don't say this as somebody who's religious. I love my faith. It's a, it's a guiding part of every aspect of my life. But I, this is why I'm so active in countering theocracy and countering the clerics, because they are the root cause. They are the cancer. They're interpretations that are stuck in the 13th century from Ibn Taymiyyah and every other theocrat is why we have the problems we have. So, bottom line is, is before, before you get to a point in which we have the reforms, before you get to a point where we can start seeing the liberal, democratic, free-thinking, anti-theocratic Islam, you're going to have to first have people leave their concept of religion because they're being pushed away from it by theocrats. Now, they could either embrace the theocracy or leave it. Are they going to rush to a liberal version? Well, not in those societies where there's dictatorships, where there's huge infusions of autocratic thinking in the media and social platforms and others. So walking away from a oppressive ideology is an easy thing to do when given a choice to either accept it or not, most people are choosing in these opening societies of Tunisia, Algeria, Libya to walk away. I think that's one of the things the statistics show. Now, I think we do it again in 10 more years as America, I hope, operationalizes some of the things we are asking to do at the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. I think you're going to start saying then they start accepting more of a secular liberal interpretation of a personal Islam rejecting theocratic institutions and accepting more democratic liberal grassroots civil society institutions I would tell you if you look at the data here it's extremely revealing I think it says for example they asked can women make national decisions but not family ones and you look across the countries, and again, you see some good signs and some bad signs. It seems that the penetration of political Islam and its misogyny is pretty high. Lebanon, which has a high Christian population, westernization, had the highest number that said a woman president or prime minister is acceptable. Morocco was at 70%. Tunisia, 60%. Now, Tunisia, again, it's amazing it's so high. Is it because they had a moderate king, or is it because they're growing into some liberal democratic ideas? That's what I think. Iraq was also pretty high at that near 70%. And again, that's because of some of the changes across the departure of Saddam Hussein. You see sort of a, you see Algeria at the bottom, Sudan at the bottom, Yemen at the bottom. I think the higher the penetration of radical Islamists, 
the less you see their acceptance of women leadership. But then when they're asked about whether husbands should have the final say in all family decisions, most, including a majority of women, believe that husbands should also, should always have the final say on family decisions. So, it tells you that's one of the bad signs. The penetration, we saw statistics from the State Department, penetration of anti-Semitism is 80% at best, average 90 to 95%, which is horrific. Why? You combine the Islamist rate of 40, 30 to 40% to the Arabism, fascist Arabism rate of Baathism and other movements that are fascistic and autocratic in the Middle East. Those rates are also 20 to 30%, up to 40%. You end up with 80%. And the control of media were both combined together to become anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, anti-Western. And this is where you have a population that is where it is. So getting beyond that is going to be tough. And I think, again, regardless of whether they're Arabist misogynists or Islamist misogynists, they're going to be inculcating these ideas. How about honor killing? Statistics is whether honor killing is more acceptable than homosexuality. Again, the more Islamist countries were the highest on honor killings. 27%, 25%, 27% in Algeria, 25% in Morocco, 14% in Sudan, 21% in Jordan, Tunisia down to 8%. correlated with rejection of homosexuality. Acceptance rates of homosexuality are low, extremely low across the region. No kidding. Anyone who's ever studied or or, or looked at the region at all would recognize that. And yet, where's the left on this issue? If you don't know what an honor killing is, it's where a relative kills a family member, typically a woman, for allegedly bringing dishonor to the family, either through her behavior, through her marriage of a non-Muslim, through her dating, through her alcohol, drinking, whatever it might be, uh, dress, lack of hijab, all these things that are just horrific. We see them, and we've seen these cases in America, and they're just huge in the Middle East, large numbers. Why? This is the tribal sense of honor. Then they did studies polling on Israel perceived as the greatest threat. Proportions saying that the country posed as the greatest threat. Was it Israel, U.S., Iran, Saudi, or none? Lebanon had 79% Israel. 79% Israel, Lebanon. There you go. When Hezbollah, Assad, and Iran control most of the media. Palestinian territory, 63%. Sudan, 36%, with 21% United States. Iraq, interestingly, in Iraq, 31% felt that Iran was the biggest threat. So you see, in Iraq, there is an anti-Iran rejectionist idea. Tunisia had one of the smallest against Israel, but not the smallest, 24%. So, you see, along with some of these dynamics is the parallel flow 
of Islamism and Arabism with anti-Semitism and anti-Westernism. They also looked at the opinions about who's liked more, Trump, Putin, or Erdogan. And I think those are good comparisons, right? Erdogan represents the Islamists of Turkey. And so the Islamists in the Middle East would cozy up to him. Putin represents sort of the dictatorial, anti-American regimes that supported America's enemies. And Trump represents the president of the leaders of the free world. And sure enough, the numbers for Trump were the lowest across that region. Now, some would say, well, look at Obama's were different. I don't know. I don't have the data in front of me. But it might be better than Trump simply because here in America, you've had such massive anti-Trump hysteria that it may have driven those numbers differently. But the bottom line is, is America's political perceptions have always been negated by the media of these state-run media institutions that have done everything possible to demonize. Now, compare that to the numbers that want to come to the United States and want to immigrate and bring their families, escape and get asylum. And I think you learn a lesson that these numbers, the anti-political numbers, are not as bad as you think. And they have to go into that. They talk about how many want to emigrate and where they're emigrating to, and they show the data of the countries they want to emigrate to. It's not all the United States. And again, it's probably some of the autocrats and those who aren't into either becoming American or defeating America. Some want to come to America to defeat us. Many want to come here because they believe in our ideas. But some want to go elsewhere because they believe in the monarchical, the autocratic system of some of the Gulf states or Middle East and North America, North Africa, rather. So, in the end, ladies and gentlemen, we need to follow these polls if you want to understand what our strategy, what our strategy should do. How we need to engage these folks. They are shifting their ideas from religious to non-religious. And what are we going to do with that secular vacuum? If that secular vacuum is left alone, they will right now begin to adopt military dictatorships. But if we start engaging them on religious freedom, religious liberty, I'm speaking at the Western Conservative Summit in Colorado on July 12, and the theme is defending religious freedom. And I would tell you in that theme that this is the third pathway, not only for been successful for us in the West, but for many of these evolving Middle East countries that are going through their own maturational changes and revolutions, that ultimately I hope we can begin to figure out a way to, to monetize, to marketize the ideas that we enjoy so much here. I believe it can defeat theocracy across these countries. We can defeat autocracy if we start to educate them about and share with them the beauty of the ideas that we love here about free speech, freedom of religion, freedom to reject or accept religion. All these data points about polls are things they're finding on their own anyway. 
if the Iranian regime falls in the next 6 to 12 months, which I believe may happen, if it does, which ideas are they going to pick up? Yeah, there's many pushing democracy, but do they have the institutional wherewithal to start picking these things up? They're going to need civil society organizations, and we need to be there. So understand the polling. Our policy in the United States should follow where their polling fits. And our own polling. I started this podcast discussion with you talking about how crazy it is the number of people americans that it should be a hundred percent accept and believe that over six million jews died and perished in the genocide of the holocaust it should be a hundred percent of americans that understand and believe in the truth which is the Holocaust, and know Auschwitz, and know what a concentration camp really is. But no, the idiocy, the ignorance rates are up to the one-thirds, if not more. We need to confront that, ladies and gentlemen. It's being influenced by foreign media. It's being influenced by anti-Western governments, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel governments, and peoples, and media. And we have no, no plan no strategy to advance our own ideas, and I think we need to have that. Think about it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and as you enjoy your fourth this week, my favorite, one of my favorite holidays, remember this great country, this country that fought for our freedoms, that created a nation based in independence against theocracy, our day of independence. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But as we celebrate our national day of independence, I hope we can remember how much of a unique laboratory, unique experience this country, the United States of America is, and how fortunate and blessed we are to be living in a country whose founding fathers had the wherewithal to build a nation based on inalienable rights under God with the freedoms that we have. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. We'll be back next week on Reform This. This is Zudi Jasser. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.